0: Inside the recording studio, and if you are familiar with that little intro, you'll know what we're about to speak of next. I'm Jody Whitesides. With me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom.
1: Hi, Chris. Hi, Jody. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good. How about yourself? Uh, yeah. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, too. Uh, just yeah. had a relaxing weekend, so... And I've got another relaxing weekend coming up, so good stuff is aboard.
1: Good for you. That's awesome. It's good to take a break. I think that's that's one of the hard things to do. Actually, I mm-hmm. think to, to allow yourself like to take a day or so off. Yeah. Do you well, agree that it tends to be like a? <laughs> and I don't encourage this at all, but it tends to be like a, a seven day
0: grind week you know yeah
1: <laughs> so it's not good but yeah. uh to hint at your intro there yes uh, uh, that was we, part of
0: the reason for taking the weekend off previous weekend it, and the yeah weekend.
1: we'd be remiss if we didn't uh mention, mention. The, yeah. the the uh the passing of eddie van halen that is and correct that was of course your uh intro of Sammy Hagar onto the 5150 album was That it? is correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a Sammy
0: hey, Hagar hey, intro for Van. Yeah. One.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um good enough. <laughs> right? There you go. good enough. Um good enough to do something. Yeah, um, Exactly. I this is going to probably sound wacky probably off the top of the head, but me being a guitar player, um, Eddie was never a huge playing influence on me Uh um, as much as it was for others. Um, But it's hard to get past the influence that that he had on just like guitar tones and playability and all this kind of stuff that that just permeates beyond his type of a thing, right? Uh, But I know you were much more of a Van Halen fan than I am. So I know this is something that you kind of struggled with (laughs) when you kind of learned about his passing Here, So maybe you can share your thoughts on, on Uh, on what, what Eddie meant to you.
0: Well, I don't know if it was so much that he meant a lot to me. It was certainly one of those, uh, elements. If I look back on, on things in my career where, uh, some of my early beginnings parallel his, uh, I still have a guitar that. It, really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of them, but here I'm turning away from the mic like an asshole. Um, and if you're watching the YouTube video, you can see that I'm holding up a custom painted guitar that has been heavily modified. Uh, it was my first original guitar and I'm not going to hang it back up. Cause it's a pain in the ass. Um, it was a Fender Squire. And Originally, while attending a music school with a buddy of mine, he wanted a single coil pickup. And Mm -hmm. he came to me and said, hey, will you give me one of your single coils if I give you a humbucker?
1: (laughs) And (laughs) I'm like,
0: sure. So he comes over to my little flat that I had in Hollywood at the time. And we proceed to... Frankenstein the shit out of my guitar much like Eddie trying to buy parts to create a guitar that plays well for him that mm. my first guitar became that for me cool and he he brought a drill and a drill bit and instead of routing we routed with a drill bit by hand oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> so when when you pull the guitar apart and you take the pick uh well, where the pickup is now, it was originally, we routed it out with a drill to get the wood out, to put the, the humbucker in where the single coil was. And then we took a soldering iron and melted the pick guard to melt the hole <laughs> 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 to make it big enough for a, a humbucker just to get As that you thing do. In there. As you do. Uh, yeah, because you right. you're young and you're stupid and you do whatever you can to make an instrument the way you want it. So, uh, he got the single coil that he wanted. I got the humbucker that he gave me and I, I really don't know. And I asked him what it was and he didn't know, uh, recently. What the pickup was? Yeah. Which pickup, what, what kind of humbucker it was. I'm going to assume that it was a DiMarzio, but I do not know. And Mm -hmm. I may or may not still have it sitting somewhere in storage. Uh, The current version that's in there now is a Seymour Duncan custom custom that was actually custom wound just for me. Um... So it's been replaced as, as of since. Eventually, what I ended up doing was filling in the other two holes of the neck and the uh, the middle and ne- uh, neck pickups nice. and creating a custom paint job on it. Not so much like Eddie's, where he kind of threw tape all over it and painted it until he kind of like, oh, that looks cool. I had a very distinct image in mind, and my dad, being yeah. a graphic illustrator, made that very easy. Getting the paint <laughs> off the guitar was not so easy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the original paint job that came from Fender, uh, man, those things were painted like fucking tanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it took me days to get the paint off of that and get it down to the wood, and then fill in with wood filler to fill in the rest and and create the paint job. So in that regard, my early days of, of early guitars and and wanting guitars to be to a, a very unique specification because this is not the original neck. The only thing technically really original is the body, and the tailpiece. Yeah, that's pretty much the only original things left on this guitar, but hmm. the the interesting thing about that is th- the guitar plays really well. I think you've played it. I'll I know it. Yep. a bunch of other guitar players have played it. It's been used on more records than I have uh, been on because mm-hmm. people borrow it and they're like, "Oh, dude, it looks you know originally when it didn't have it had this weird wacky thing to it before it was done up with the paint job. Uh, it played great. It sounded great." didn't look great. So <laughs> now it looks, even the headstock is is kind of funky because it, it was a very metal headstock when it was originally put. was with, the hockey I, stick. It was the hockey stick. Nice. And I sent it to Justin who does all my custom electric guitars now and <laughs> said, do something about the headstock because somebody actually meant, dude, it looks metal. And it's like, yeah, but I don't want it to look metal. So he lopped it off and gouged it out and made it look even weirder. So you either, it's, it's either the ugliest looking thing or it's like, wow, that's so unique. It's cool. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying like, so the, the uh, this spirit there of messing around with your gear to make it work for you, that, that was, that was a big thing that you kind of, um, tip your hat to yeah. Well, of course, board. because he,
0: yeah. I mean, he did all kinds of things to, you know, whether he figured out how to power soak an amp by using yeah. a very act to get the gain that he wanted without the volume to sh- you know tearing heads off in smaller venues when they were playing their earlier gigs. Uh, interestingly enough, I did buy a couple of Marshall cabinets mm-hmm. around that same time and while I don't ha- I did not have a certificate of authenticity, I was told that Van Halen had owned them and they were his.
1: Yeah, so I have a f- feeling that th- there was probably eighty five thousand of those cabinets. There probably that, that belonged no to Eddie idea. at one but point, <laughs>
0: being that they were you know sold apparently to, I, you know, I don't know how the. Guitar Center people got them I don't know But they were used And they were claimed To be Eddie's And and I don't know I don't have yeah. them anymore In my possession I believe I got rid of them If the, if I still have them They are sitting In storage somewhere um, Yeah
1: don't say What that storage is <laughs> No I, I not But uh, Here's it, the address And it's yeah.
0: open Between these hours It's quite yeah. possible That I do still have Those two cabinets And uh, they were uh, With original Celestian speakers And such as well yeah. So who knows they may yeah. or may not have been his. I was told that they were his. Right. Uh, but in terms of that, and then in terms of being an inventor, I, I have invented a uh, foot pedal
1: for yes more modern
0: not. uses of right. playing guitar.
1: That's uh, probably another episode yeah, in itself. Here we should, But that might be a cool thing for you to do on like a Tuesday tip or something, actually show that thing. To show that, the pedal. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it, 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 become, it I feel in, in that regard, I've been a little bit of a parallel and there's several guitar players that are very famous that I feel like I'm in parallel to in that regard for various things that they've done in their careers that I've done in mine. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because I loved them or emulated them in that. It was just that driving need to satisfy my own whim to go, oh, I need to be able to do this. Nobody makes that yet. Or nobody's done this yet, you know, or that kind of thing. So it's that. And at some point, who knows, maybe I get to be big enough on a guitar playing scale that somebody would want to laser my original guitar that I have (laughs) for the feel of it. Because it it does, it plays extremely well and it's very comfortable. So. And that's kind of the whole point of having a nice playable guitar like uh, Van Halen, Ernie Ball, because I think that's they did that. They lasered his to get all the little nooks and crannies of all the parts of his guitars to be like his very well-worn original thing.
1: Uh, Yeah, very possible. I know they did that same thing with um, uh, Steve Lukather's Valley Arts that he had. Mm -hmm. Well, he probably still has it. Yeah, he still has it, but, but um, I don't think he really plays it anymore, at least not in official capacity. But um, they lasered the neck, and that's the same as on the, the at least the first generation of the, the Luke. Ball. Yeah. Ernie Ball, Luke, yeah, which I'm a proud owner of. And I, I, I love that because I have yes.
0: small hands on <laughs> my co-host here. Um, I was just talking about my hands with somebody last night. They are enormous. Um, yeah, yeah. You you somebody mentioned basketball player. My fingers are not like normal fingers. And yeah. And then I mentioned Paul Gilbert, and I'm like, Paul and I have the same size hands, except for one feature it's the pinky. Fucking pinky. Fucking pinky comes like almost to the very tail end of his ring finger. Mine is more normal. But uh, (laughs) aside from that, we have the same size hands. Um, He he just has a slightly longer pinky
1: than I do. Yeah. All right. So um, enough of that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. of, well, Van so, Halen. T- but yeah. So moment of very silence. Very sad, maybe. obviously. But we have the 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 legacy of the music and all this kind of stuff, and and uh, we will be happy with that. Uh, but today's topic, we're uh, going in. Well, speaking of sound, as we tend to do here. Yes. Right? We're talking EQs EQ. today. EQ. Yes.
0: Yes. And
1: yes. Uh, I think just getting into that, I think it warranted an episode because. I remember when this when I started out. I think there's a lot of sort of like mystery around EQing and what it actually is and what it is, and people tend to just go in there and start turning knobs or whatever <laughs> happens to be. So, did they um, come on stone tablets back then? Is that what you're trying to say? This is um, <laughs> this is before stone was invented. Um, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So this goes back into the early. Uh, I don't know, insert joke here. But um, yeah, so we're going to talk EQ today. So um, that's the idea, anyway. That's the idea. Um, so that was another smooth transition, wasn't it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Smoother than this. last week's. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Last week was uh, just a, a rough Abrupt right turn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but on a broad scale. Yes. Um, with EQ, there seems to be. Two schools of thought. Uh-oh. Uh, I don't adhere to either one of them, and we'll explain why in a little bit. But some people say- So you're saying oh, there's oh, a third school. <laughs> the Chris yeah, school. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's, it's like ingbe, right? It, it's your way, my way, or the ingbe, right? The right, right way or the wrong way or the ingbe, right? Um, no, but some people are huge proponents of no only cutting. And right. some people seem to be in the other- side of the fence where it's like, no, oh, only boosting. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? And then, and then I'll tell you mine.
0: Uh, I can I can see the benefits of both schools of thought. Mm-hmm. And I do know people that fall in one camp or the other. In other words, the camp of, I only use cutting techniques in my EQ. And another, you know, other people that use, I only use boosting techniques. For right. me, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm in that third camp like you, uh, yeah. I boost when needed and I cut when needed.
1: Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's your answer. It's not necessarily that's the my answer. answer. No, well,
0: it's our uh, answer.
1: No, it's our answer, but, I, but I do feel strongly about it. Um, somebody I mentioned a lot on this podcast uh, yes. because I'm, I'm a fan of the prod of the product. Uh, but, um, Stephen Slate said one time he was doing it as sort of like a tutorial on an EQ. Yeah, And he said, I'm going to set it straight right now. So credit to Stephen Slate for this, but this is how I think as well. <laughs> he says, if the audio you're listening to has too much of whatever frequency, then you cut that. Yes. If it doesn't have enough of this frequency you boost it doesn't have to be more complicated than that it doesn't right? that is correct right. I, yeah.
0: w- I would agree with that statement i wouldn't say it's correct but i agree with that statement
1: yeah yeah so um i think also from like a cutting or boosting uh, sort of mindset either or um i used to be almost like afraid of eq Right? Oh, no! no, <laughs> no. I, I read my, like I I yeah. <laughs> Jason's but, um, coming after you with an EQ knife. Yeah. Oh, no, what if I cut too much? Hmm. Um, but the, there seemed to be like, when I was reading about this and scouring internet forums and all this kind of stuff, I said, <laughs> no, 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 you should never boost or cut more than a couple of dB. And then you try to adhere to that, and stuff doesn't sound good. Um, Maybe I you have, got it wrong on the way in, just saying. Well, it could have been that too, right? And that, that's very, very possible. So that, again, is assuming that everything is sounding as good as possible on the way in. But that we all know that that's not always the case. No. Because sometimes and- you have to do drastic boosts or cut. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, and there's also,
0: I should throw in a little disclaimer here because there are some formats that lead you to thinking you need to do something when there is actually nothing there to be done. And I will just say right now, I am remixing a project that was originally recorded many years ago on an ADAT setup. Yay. And the (laughs) ADATs had a very interesting problem in that nothing above either 15 or 16 K existed, period, done, end of story. It was not laid down to that formats tape at all, which means that if you want air above 16 K, you're not getting it from the tracks you actually tracked with. So uh, you're adding it by some other means by either using a reverb or something. But even if you start trying to do some kind of crazy ass, like 20 DB boost of, of, 18 or 20k EQ, you're getting nothing. You're just going to yeah. get the noise from the actual EQ unit because there isn't anything from the actual recording you're getting. So yeah. it it goes to a certain extent. It depends on the format. If you're dealing with modern recording and DAWs today, you generally don't have that problem. But if you're yeah. being brought an old project from some other format, you may have a problem where it doesn't matter what you do to boost it. It ain't there to boost.
1: Yeah and, and full disclaimer I sh- I think that that was how uh, the first generation of the ADATs had that limitation I think on the second one they actually had it higher but you're absolutely right that there was like I think a 16k just cut off it's like gone nope, yeah. It. No, yeah nothing that's, above that's 16k it's not there yeah. <laughs> right yeah it was just the the, the um it was. It was their filters the to
0: hide. Well, yeah. What uh, my understanding is, it was filters to hide digital artifacts that it could not properly mm. encode for recording. Right. And okay. it was their yeah. way of being cheap enough that people could afford them, because right. they there were probably filters that could do it.
1: They right. just were they would-
0: ridiculously expensive, and it would be un- unaffordable at the time.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah. So, so I think. One thing to keep in mind is if you're, let's say, if you're starting with this kind of thing and you, you're kind of new to mixing or recording. Yes. Um, let's get back. Firstly, yeah, let, just just don't be afraid of boosting or cutting if it needs it, right? There is no rule. And I know that when, when people say that... Um, it's, it's almost like when you're starting out, don't tell me that everything is wide open because that's too large of a parameter to work with. <laughs> uh, because, but, but what we like to say here, it's, it's all content dependent. Yeah, right. So different yeah. things. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be afraid of things if it actually needs it. But know why you're boosting or cutting something by 10 dB. You know, oh, come on, like, I like doing it willy nilly. What are you talking about? <laughs> huh, that's one way of doing it. Um, but it might get um, unwarranted uh, results or, or interesting results. It's you know? quite possible, yes. Right. And uh, also, other things that, that I think we've all found ourselves doing. Um, Initially, in our as we start out here, when we think of EQ, okay, I, I don't hear the bass. So I, I got to boost the low end, of the EQ. So yeah, you can do that. Or or you can just push up the bass fader a little bit. Or know? yes, <laughs> yeah. Although, uh,
0: same project that I'm remixing right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I went back and listened again
0: to a mix after taking a couple of days off it and going, oh, that's ah, just even though I'm doing a, an attenuation. Uh, at a hundred, at one hundred, it should mm-hmm. be like reducing it so that it's not hitting the sub so hard. However, there was apparently a, an insane amount of sub in this particular base. So it was like, you know what? I got to go back in and add an actual lop off a high pass filter. Off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm kind of getting a little bit of ahead of where we're going in this right. episode because we're still kind of touching on whether you're going to be using corrective
1: type of EQ or sweetening types of EQ with your boosting or cutting. Right. Yeah. So that that's a good um, thing to bring up. It's like knowing what it is that you're attempting to do with eq right so it could be for example let's say that um there is a certain ring in a snare that that is unpleasant you might find that you know frequency and kind of tuck that back a little bit or as much as you have that Um, would be kind of
0: a combination of correction and sweetening
1: now wouldn't it (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that's usually the end of how it ends up, right? Because if you're correcting something, or uh, like you said, if you have too much low end in there, you you you're rolling something off um to correct something that will ultimately make it sound better, right? But yes, it yeah. could also be that um on a guitar tone that is not cutting enough in the mix, maybe you need to to Poke it a little bit in somewhere in the mids, you know, like uh, 1.5 or 2K or something like that, where you might have to just add a little bit of a bump there to, to make it cut through the wall of everything that it's competing with or vocals, oh, yes. whatever that, that, that it happens to be.
0: Yeah. Well, and see, and that kind of gets in a little bit of the correction and sweetening areas. Cause I would, I would, people say sweetening to me. I think of sweetening as give each instrument its little home of where it's kind of supposed to reside in the frequency spectrum. Mm -hmm. So if you have guitars that have got too much low end, well, now they're gonna be competing with the bass, which actually normally takes up the low end. So if you don't lop off the bottom of the guitars using a, a high pass filter, they're now competing with the bass. And it's the same thing with bass, unless you really need the pick attack, you really don't need those to be super sharp in the high end where the guitar is generally needed for a bit more of the clarity there. So you can roll that off on a bass using either a a low pass filter or something else. So why don't we make that jump into the different types of ways that we can actually do EQ at this point?
1: Sure, let's do that. So if we start on both ends of the frequency spectrum, um, we have something that we call either a low cut or a high pass is just a different word for the same thing. Low pass and, or high
0: pass or low cut or high cut, yes.
1: Yeah, and oh. now you just mentioned the other end of the spectrum, right? So we right. got like a high cut or a low pass um, where we have a certain slope that sometimes we can adjust and sometimes we can't, meaning how, how aggressive that cut is where you're either rolling off the low end or rolling off the high end. Okay, and- uh,
0: you know what? Thinking about this right now, people are probably going, what the hell does he mean by that when he's saying how aggressive this slope is? Well, let's define that real quick because That's the slope that, that, good, of, yeah. of a filter, when you're doing mm-hmm. a high-pass or low-pass filter, is usually denoted in matters of octaves. Yes. You, uh, sometimes it's not quite octaves, but 12 dB per octave, 24 dB, 36 Forty-eight. They usually go in increments of twelve. Sometimes they do something slightly. We have a different. six
1: as well, yeah. So like a little bit more of a gentle slope, yeah, as well. or six yeah. or
0: an eight or something. And what that means is how fast that's going to slope the amount of audio coming through before the next octave hits. So uh, of of a frequency. If, if, so, uh, God, I feel yeah. like that still isn't like a good explanation, but that's well, exactly what it can, is.
1: You, well, you can think of it like this. Like the higher that number is. The steeper the, the more, slope. The, the steeper the slope is and the more aggressive the cut is. The volume difference so, between the, the volume where you're at right. and the next octave down on it
0: is going to be yeah. that so, amount of dB in difference.
1: Right. So in other words, if you have, let's say that you have um, – an instrument. Let's say that it's a vocalist. Uh, chances are you're not going to have a lot of information. Possibly even like below a hundred, right? Um, so you set a a, a uh, let's say a, a, a <laughs> uh-huh. low cut, a low cut filter. Yeah, I want to make sure I stay on high oh, pass, the same low words here. Yeah. Let, yeah, let's say high pass. That that makes more sense. So we're lopping off the low frequencies here. If yes. you set that to 100, now depending on this the steepness of the slope that you were mentioning there, Jody, um, it's going to include frequencies that are lower than 100. Yes. So the higher the uh, the cutoff, the, the more aggressive that is. So that means that you could potentially set the, what did I use? I said low low cut. Or yeah. I said high pass. I'm confusing myself. So how is anybody gonna keep up with this? Right, um, and,
0: and and just so people know, a high pass and a low cut filter are the same thing.
1: It's the same thing. Why why it it's means that I'm I'm tripping over my words here right. and I will probably continue to do throughout. <laughs> the whole podcast here but that means so if you have that set at a certain frequency you are actually getting lower frequencies it's not like everything is like 100 and it's just locked off right it's not a brick wall right it's not a brick wall so Uh, and then then to
0: say the octave let's actually really quickly mm -hmm. define that as you're going because the octave from 100 going down would be Mm -hmm. 50 It's half the value. And as you're Mm -hmm. going up, it's double the value. So it goes to 200. But if you're at 100 and you're taking 12 dB slope at 100 Mm -hmm. as your high-pass, low-cut filter, by the time it hits 50 dB, you're down 12 dB in volume if you're using a 12 dB slope. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense to me. But hopefully it makes sense to to everybody else. Yeah. you Know a great thing to actually learn about these things as well is you know, I, I don't like to propose like listening with your eyes, but if you have some sort of like um, visualizer, visualizer, Vis- yeah, visual oh, yeah. Y- you can like Logic has a great one actually built into its EQ that you can just activate that 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 gives you visual representations of the frequency waves makes a good have. one
0: too. The Paz, I think it's called the PAS,
1: yeah. Oh, I'm th- there's a lot of them, I'm sure, and I, I'm you know, i there's probably not a whole lot of them out. Today Fab either. filter, Coming I think, out, that makes that one donut. too. Fab filter, yeah. Um, all of these. So you can actually see what you're actually doing to the audio. And that, that can help in understanding of the process w- with what's there. So yes. what you're actually doing to the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, but use your ear, obviously. Don't let it say, oh, well, because we're not mixing with our eyes. It's like, oh, well, it says this value right here. But it says it's you. It says me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but, but that's, that's the high cut and the low cut or.
0: Yes. So that we kind of took a real long turn on that, on that first type of EQ uh, type. And yeah. before we jump into our second type that we're going to talk about, let's take a quick break for our sponsor. Let's do that. And we're back. And right now we're going to stock, stock. No, we're going to talk. Shelving. Shelving types of EQ. <laughs> you tend to stock your
1: shelves? I do.
0: I yeah. stock them with all kinds of things.
1: Right. So how how is a shelf different than a low-pass or high-pass? High-pass filter. Uh, it's similar-esque to
0: the high-pass mm-hmm. and the low-pass filter. The difference is, is that it does not keep going down the slope. Right. The slope is how quick it goes from one end to another in the EQ curve, which is known as a Q. We didn't Mm -hmm. really mention that in the filters. We'll get into that
1: a little bit later. But we will get
0: into that. Uh, The shelving then, instead of dropping things down off to infinity, it actually brings it down to the frequency that you're getting into from the previous frequency based on this setting of Q. And then it's level all the way out from there. So. That's the main difference between yeah, a high so it, pass and a, low pass filter and a high filter or a high shelving EQ and a low shelving
1: EQ. Right. Yeah, so it's also, you know, it, it's sort of governed by a dB value rather like you're, you're but, but the difference here as well is that you can boost these also. It doesn't have to be right. cut as it is in a filter. You're not The just filters are a cut. Up. The shelves
0: yeah. are either a boost or a cut. Or a cut, right. Yeah, but then they so, stay even across the rest of the length of the frequency spectrum instead of sh- going off cor- into infinity of nothing.
1: Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. yes and yes. you can use these in conjunction as well with with the, with the filters also. So let's say if you want to uh, boost the low end a little bit, you can do that with a shelf. But maybe now you get too much subs. You can have. You know, a a low cut on that as well, and it would just continue. That the boost will go up until it hits the filter, essentially. Right. Yeah. So creative tools. So that's the extreme ends of the audio spectrum. So then we get in for EQ, right? Mm -hmm. So now we get into what about that big thing in the middle? (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing in the middle. What are you talking about? Yeah, the, unfortunately, that's where a lot of the stuff lives, right? It, yeah. It's it's big body of sounds. So Tell then we have move. some, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so then we get something um, we call it like bell curves, where yes. you can also boost and cut a certain range, and mm-hmm. just like you said, how quickly or um, slowly, as it were, on the, the filters, um, how it drops off. We can, with a bell, we can adjust that as well with, with that Q value that you were.
0: Yes. And uh, we're not talking before. about grades in school, although they kind of have a similar concept.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and there's, it's, it's also, you know, the we can have curve. different shapes of, of the curves and all this kind of thing. But right. uh, we are now cutting or boosting a uh, particular center frequency that will, you know, affect a little bit of the frequencies right next to it. It's not like, oh, I'm boosting 1k, it's only 1k. It would affect um, yes. you know, the frequencies to, to both sides and, of it. And well.
0: how much it affects on the boost or the cut is based on a terminology known as Q. Right. The higher the Q, the sharper the curve. Mm-hmm. The lower the Q, the wider the curve. Right. So more so, a, a lower Q value means you're going to affect more of the frequencies around the frequency you're centering on. A higher Q means you're going to be affecting less of the right. frequencies around your desired frequency that you're using for your bell curve, yeah. or otherwise
1: known as a band pass. So that begs the question then, well, why would you want to change that? The cue? well yeah,
0: mm, because you can. No, I'm just kidding.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> no, what I'm trying to get at here is it, it? It depends a little bit on what you're trying to do with the the boost or the cut. Yes. Um, if you have a just if you're correcting an issue, um, you might want to have not all the time, but you might have a more narrow of a cut, or or, yeah, in this case, it would be a cut, right? uh, To bringing something out. You might affect too much of the actual signal if you have too broad of a cut. Um, If you're boosting and doing things, um, I I would say as a rule of thumb, you can kind of think like if you're correcting something, try to have it a little bit more of a narrow band and you might get a more of a musical results. The same thing, if you're boosting something, you might want a, a wider, Curve so that you, um, it just sounds more pleasing. It it can start sounding very unnatural if you have a really really narrow boost around a certain frequency. Uh, This is of course, as we like to say, content dependent. So, cheers. (laughs) But um, but these are
0: also very general generalities. uh, Is a good way of saying it. Yeah yeah yeah. If you are doing corrective EQ, chances are you're generally. Pulling something out to correct something, you're not right. really boosting to correct. And for sweetening, generally, you are doing a gentle, bu- uh, a wider a boost. gentle boost.
1: That's right. a general yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. There are no necessarily hard and fast rules, but but that's about as close to as I, as you can get. I think. Um, it's of course it depends on what you have to do. If you're cutting something and you have a wider annoying frequency, then you need to have a wider bam cutting but <laughs> to make um, it less annoying <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so all right um but um you know generalities but, but that's the functionality of them and and they do have a big impact on what you do and of course if you spend a little time you know just kind of getting comfortable with uh, what all of these you know, parameters do, I think you start getting more and more comfortable actually using your EQ and you know what to listen for and what to look for and and how to, um, well, just like compression or any other tool, you get comfortable using that tool that's in your tool chest.
0: Yes. And it's a good idea to understand various reasons of why you'd use different types of EQs. And speaking of that, let's move on to yet another type, which is known as a parametric EQ. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. The parametric EQ is more like a <laughs> it's man how do, how do you describe the parametric eq it, it is specific bands mm-hmm. generally speaking that have that you can set to do wide ranging It's it's generally more of a, a broader spectrum type of eq the parametric eq
1: yeah, kind of. In my head, when we're talking about EQ, th- that's the type of EQ that I tend to have in mind, right? When we when we can set the frequency of whatever we're, that we're we're working on. Yes, uh, and then and it, it kind of can- gives
0: a broad brushstroke to the whole thing, rather than a very precise brushstroke, like a fine pencil line, compared to a big paint stroke. I yeah. guess parametric is more of like as I would envision it, a big paint stroke. And uh, other types can be more narrow. Uh, the other type being uh, going down the list would be graphic EQs. Graphic EQs are very fine-tuned like pencil line type EQs. they, so, they can
1: be, yes, yeah. right.
0: So the parametric is, is more like your, your high and low pass filters and your shelvings. Not so much. I mean, they also include the possibilities of doing bells, but they're very general in the sense of where they tend to be set. The most famous, I would think, of parametric EQs would be the Poltec. Sure, yeah. That, uh, that would be my guess. I, I, there, right. I mean, there are others, but that seems yes, to it, me like the most famous of all parametric EQs.
1: Well, see, for me, I, I think uh, just about any EQ, and I could be wrong about this, but this is just how I thing. Anything that has where I can adjust the actual center frequency of what I'm using, I'm Thinking of that as a parametric EQ. So even if that's your your sort of stock SSL or or whatever EQ it is, when I have a sweepable frequency that I can yeah. adjust, I think of that as a parametric EQ. The difference would be that the the graphic, then right, where you have a set frequency that you basically with a fader, you boost or cut. Yes. Right? So
0: and, that, and that's it. the distinction between a parametric and a graphic EQ is that a graphic EQ has a very set Q and it has a certain number of bands de- and and they're defined. So yeah. if you're using a graphic EQ and it's got that narrow band and you, graphic EQs are like your scalpels. <laughs> It could be. (laughs) Good way of saying it. Graphic EQ is more of a scalpel, (laughs) where you can cut things very, very precisely. If that graphic EQ has that frequency
1: band that you need, yeah. It's all you can almost envision if you're, if you're old enough, like I am. You can look at like old stereo systems. I we, we used to talk about the EQ curves being like the smiley face, yes, you know, where, where, where we boost the low end and the high end and we cut everything in the middle to give it kind of a, a visual representation of a smiley face. Um, so th- that's that's the, the the graphic EQ, and um, I work less with them, but but sometimes you see them. You know, you can see them in people's racks and things, but it's it can also be like if you're looking at, let's say, an old uh, Boogie guitar amp, that kind of thing. They actually had like a graphic EQ on them when they had like, I think sure. it was like five bands that you could adjust, that, that kind of thing. So um, that's the difference between those. And I think that that can be... Also, a decent way to kind of learn about EQ because you're looking at you, you kind of get used to. I think the
0: a very specific frequency and uh, smooth yeah, and well fader. that's
1: well, yeah well and what that sounds like and what it does, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but uh, personally, I I don't use them most, but it's the um, I don't use them as much. I meant to say, but there's the old um, there's the uh, there's certain of the APIs that are like that, right? Yes. Or, or don't you yeah. use a couple of like the old APIs where there's not, it's just, it has essentially the graphic EQ. You yeah, it's a graphic a certain EQ. Certain, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and so and that's, that's, a- that's not to say that you can treat certain DAW EQs that come in your DAW or as third-party plugins that are kind of like, you can make certain ones that are parametric-like and make them graphic in a sense. Like you could do that with the, say, the Isotope uh, mm-hmm. EQ plugin that you can get. And in that, you can make the queue so narrow that it essentially yeah. becomes a graphic EQ.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it, just what you're looking at is different, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, but you're, but you're ultimately on the path to a, a very similar effect. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so
0: um, that, that pretty much covers our different types of EQs in terms yeah. of like curves and balances and, and, and the way you name things when you're using them
1: EQ wise. Yeah, so the, the last question that, that and you kind of touched on this a little bit mm-hmm. before here, but why would you use one over the other? Or why, why would you use like one type of a filter or a typical band over the other? Well, we've both touched on it in a sense.
0: Yes. Uh, whether you want a precision edit or a broad, smooth curve is the two main reasons of whether you're choosing one type of EQ type or curve or filter over another. Right. Uh, and in saying for correction, most often when you're correcting something, you are doing very narrow Cues of cuts mm-hmm. so that you can get rid of certain things. And to that end, if you look at something like, let's go back to Isotope, where they make those RX noise filters mm-hmm. and they will pull out certain things, you see that they, when you do it and it analyzes your sound and then it creates this specific eq cut just for you it's probably got five or six or seven different little very narrow look, look like fingers <laughs> yeah, pulling a yeah. lot of like stuff out without doing too much damage to the rest of the sound around it but pulling yeah. out the, the the noise or or the resonance of, of something that you don't want.
1: Right, and, and it can be in different harmonics as well, right? So you might need to right. have like multiple of these little dips throughout the, the audio signal, yeah. Yes,
0: and and then in terms of broad, smooth curves, generally you're thinking of those either in, well, there's too much low end down here, so let's pull a shelf. And then after that, let's pull a, you know, high pass filter. So. Right. Uh, you might have so much low end that you need to bring it down in a shelf, and then you realize that it's still kicking too much into the sub, and you put a high pass filter on that as well, or mm-hmm. you know you do one of the, or maybe you just use the high pass filter and and set it for a gentle slope at a higher frequency, and then it yep. rolls everything off nicely. It just depends on on where you want things to punch you when you're making your sound edits for yeah. EQ,
1: right? Yeah, and then obviously same thing for the 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 high end. There, if you got like a nice, breathy vocal, as the intention, but but it's just not there. Well, maybe a little bit of a, um, you know, high shelf would be in the order there. Boost something around, you know, five k or something like that to just kind of bring out that breathiness. Um, yeah,
0: well, it also depends on who you're using too. I mean, if you go with like the Moggy EQ where they have a very specific air band and you can make that selectable up to 40 K not that you're really hearing that, but based on the shelf that it creates and you boost way up into the 40 K range, you can get some really nice spatial quality out of that EQ. And that's why Mm -hmm. so
1: many people tend to use it. Yeah. It's that voodoo that they do. And they do it Uh, so well. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. Um, so that's a little bit of EQ. There.
0: Yes, and we, we do the kind have of types. different Go EQ ahead. concepts that we will be talking about in the future
1: as well. So Yeah. But I say that the first what I would recommend to anybody that that's listening and you're not comfortable with using your EQ is just don't be afraid for just bring one up and kind of mess around and see what it does to the sound. And But if you're familiar with some of these concepts, at least you have a starting point of what yes. it is that, you, that you're um, trying to do. So um, there are certain things that, you know, well, we'll go into that later, but there are certain <laughs> techniques that, that uh, maybe we should do. Um, maybe actually be a good Tuesday tip to do how you can use a very narrow band EQ to spot problems. Sure. In a mix, and how you can kind of do that. So, so maybe that's something that that we'll think about doing
0: on this. Uh, yeah. This coming up Tuesday, should we do it? Sure, then? let's Why do not? it. Yeah,
1: let's let, it. yeah, let's do it then. I think will be a, a good tip, um, and um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much what what I would like to say about the EQ here is a little bit of an introductory kind of overview of. of the tools that we're working with. Anything that you would like to add to that?
0: Not at the moment, but you know what I'm feeling? <gasps> I think I do. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Friday finds. Yes. Yes, and as usual with Friday finds, we kick it off with Chris. So Chris, what have you found this week that people ought to know about?
1: <gasps> I have uh, been digging into my plugin folder, and uh-oh. this is a plugin that um, I How deep don't it? think... It, <laughs> oh, it's deeper than it should be and not as deep as, as I want it to be. <laughs> there you go. All right. um, yeah, more plugins than I need and not as many as I want. Um, but this is, I, I mentioned a plugin from the same company in the past, I think, uh, TSE Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, I was working on a mix for somebody where I felt that the bass needed a little bit of help. You don't and say. I do say. So <laughs> this plug into the rescue, it's called Bass Overdrive. Or bass B- Overdrive? O- that sounds like a pedal. It is kind of uh, built around the idea of a sound Mm-hmm. And it does, well, I, I I think it's awesome for bass tracks. You can use it, or I frequently use it in line as well just on this on the whole signal or sometimes like i did in this case as a parallel thing we just send to it but it essentially a bass pedal an overdrive pedal uh i do believe this is a freebie as well so how how can you pass that up
0: come on For
1: for that price you can afford not to like it right yeah but um no but it is it is a really really good thing and uh for me, this week that was exactly what I needed for this track. I just slapped a little bit of this on to kind of give some girth to to the bass, and uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. Throw a little bit of bass or over or uh, distortion or overdrive on your bass track can help them just sit and oh. get a little bit meatier in the mix. You know who so, loved
0: doing that? Marcel Jacob loved doing that.
1: I'm sure he did. Yeah, that was like and, and, his thing. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, if you listen to those, certainly like the Talisman records. Yep. Like it, 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 it's got, yeah, pr- pretty meaty tone there, I think. So um what have you got for us this week, Jody? This week I have,
0: and I have not put my hands on it just yet, but just the concept around it actually looks really awesome. What's is that? The Boss GT1000 Core. That okay. almost sounds like a gigantic supercomputer. And in a way... <laughs> it kind of is, <laughs> although I don't know if it actually has a thousand cores. Uh, it is a guitar effects processor. It is a hardware box. Mm-hmm. So it is not a plug-in. It is a hardware box. It is a stomp box type thing that does tons of processing, tons of processing, yeah. uh, amp sounds and all kinds of effects and allows you 24 simultaneous effects blocks. That's it. Yeah, just, just if you just don't 24? need it anymore, <laughs> just 24. <laughs> uh, it does the processing of all audio at 9632. 96k 32 bit with 32 bit floating pro- uh that floating point processing. Uh, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, so it's it's that's uh, quite the uh, quite the unit right there. Um, it includes classic boss effects their vintage stomp boxes so they've they've gone and modeled all their own old stomp boxes and put them in here. Yeah. And they've created new uh, multi effects to go in this as well. So they've apparently imported patches directly from the DD500, the MD500 and the RV500 series pedals. It ac- apparently has ultra fast patch switching and delay carryover which is neat yes and that's always a nice thing because many years ago before all of this stuff became what it is now in these tiny little boxes you had to go to somebody like bob bradshaw to create you a custom rig to do stuff like this that cost tens of thousands of dollars uh now you can get them in little boxes that do it all in one. Uh, or, yeah. or, of course, you could use main stage, and you can do the same thing there. It does ca- – affects cross, uh, carryovers as well. with Yeah. Or, or not. You can turn it on and off as needed per patch switching. Uh, so it also has looping functionality inside it. Of course, what pedal would not have that now? Um, and a high-resolution tuner. That can do both single notes and polyphonic notes, which means Ooh, it can like do TC singles stuff, yeah. like the TC poly tune yes. Poly-tune, yeah. Um, so it also has send and return loops, so you could add even more effects if you 24 or <laughs> 24 simultaneous effects channels is not enough. You can have even more using return, uh, send and return effects loops. Um crazy enough, yeah. I very don't cool. even. Well, I don't. Don't even
1: understand how that, like, why you'd have to go that far. Um, well, I'm. I'm just left with like one question regarding this. Well, does it make coffee as well? It or might.
0: It might. It very well might. Uh, in maybe addition to that, has to, to that, go in the
1: loop. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Another crazy thing that it can do is you can load IRs into it. It has 16 slots for using IRs at the same time. So you could have 24 effects channels and 16 cabinets. <laughs> That mic'd in various ways inside this thing. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's pretty nutty. Uh, it also supports a whole lot of Boss's uh, expression pedals and uh, other MIDI functionalities. So, wow. In addition to this, I mean, this the list just keeps kind of going. You, you uh, sound like a commercial here. Jordan. I almost Man. do, and it's terrible. I should not be sounding like a commercial. But uh, in addition to that, when you do pad switching, It can also, Mm -hmm. if you're using hardware amps Mm -hmm. outside of this little unit, it can switch your amp channels for you. So it's that one button switching thing that can change a whole lot of stuff all at once. Right. Uh, And, uh, yeah. It's also a pretty
1: cool little unit.
0: It it sounds like a pretty cool little unit. Uh, They do also allow for recording and editing through this little thing. (laughs) <laughs> it's like what it's it's almost like a portable little dot a little unit um right and then it has a dedicated mode for all you bass players out there as well so it's not just for guitars
1: nice yeah nice so, nice nice i'll have to take a little look at that i'm yeah. unfamiliar with it um so very, boss, I think we all, like
0: coming out trying to be boss again
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think we all started out with like boss pedals right isn't I it i know i yeah. did. Yeah, I had the yeah, quite too. a few
0: different of their distortions. I had the DD five delay and the DD three delay and all
1: kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's when you realize you needed to have a power adapter for your delay, or you started going through batteries every half hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. very cool. So very that's cool. my Friday fine for this week. All right. Well, thank you for that, Jody. Yeah. And I think on that note, we'll say good afternoon, shall we?
0: Good afternoon to everyone out there. Or if you're listening in the middle of the night, good night to you as well. Or whatever you're doing. By the way, before we actually, before I sign this completely off, if you have made it to this point, you should go smash the the buttons on our website to follow us socially uh, jump on our email list as well and if you're really digging it throw a donation we won't ignore
1: we won't i swear <laughs> so thank you for that jody yep all right Everybody see up there, have see you later